Hello there, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Jacob Gaffney. I'm the editor-in-chief of Housing Wire. This is the Housing Wire News Podcast brought to you by Blend. Blend is a digital mortgage platform that streamlines the loan process with an efficient, secure, and transparent consumer-customer experience. With over $1 billion in loans processed daily, every Blend partnership is benchmarked on delivering a truly exceptional customer experience. To learn more about Blend, please visit them at blend.com. Right now, we're going to talk about some of the major stories this week on Housing Wire. And as always, we bring someone, an expert, a subject matter expert in the mortgage industry to help us make sense of what's going on out there. And this, uh, and this week, I have a very special guest named Norm. How are you doing, Norm? Doing good. Thanks, Jacob. Tell us a little bit about yourself up there in the in the north. You know, we're based down here in Dallas-Fort Worth, and uh, you're based up there uh, in the north, and you have a completely different kind of perspective, completely different type of housing market. Tell us a little bit about it. Sure, sure. Uh, again, this is Norm Kreveling, and uh, I'm the Senior Vice President and Chief Lending Officer for Wings Financial Credit Union uh, up here in Apple Valley, Minnesota. Uh, we are a, a little over $5 billion credit union, uh, primarily serving the uh, Minnesota area. Uh, we were formerly uh, Northwest Airlines. Um, uh, however, now we uh, have a name change and are part of Wings, community-based organization, and do a lot in the mortgage industry. Uh, so we're seeing a, a strong year here ahead of us. We had a little bit of a slow start uh, in January, yeah. February. I think part of that was the, the polar vortex we had uh, blow through <laughs> here with the negative uh, 40 uh, temperature. Not a good time to sell uh, homes. <laughs> no, no, not a lot of home uh, shopping going on at that point. Uh, and then the government shut down, you know, I think kind of put things on hold a little bit. But uh, mm. I'll tell you, our, our, uh, our March and April and, and now May are, are really coming on strong and, and making up for that uh, those slow couple of uh, months there. Well, there has been some, uh, you know, going into the news headlines, there has been some rosier forecast on the housing market going forward. The National Association of Realtors are predicting uh, sales of new homes may reach a 12-year high uh, as builders scramble to meet demand from entry-level buyers. Uh, you know, um, existing home sales, probably not so much, but we have had uh, an ongoing issue of supply uh, in, in our market. And Sure, it's no different than up there, whether it's during the polar, you know, the polar vortex, as you called it, or any other time, you know, there's just not enough homes being built. There's not enough builders to build homes. There's not enough material to make homes, uh, you know, and it's been something facing the industry for some time. Tell us uh, what it's like, your perspective on that news up there. Sure. Yeah, we're seeing the same thing as, as the rest of the country is uh, definitely a shortage uh, in inventory in general, um, although the, the shortage that we're seeing is definitely heavily on existing home sales. You know, we're seeing about a three month supply of homes on the market, a little bit more supply on the new um, as I think home builders were, were slowing down a little bit, you know, as they're faced with, uh, you know, the challenges of you know, increased wages, uh, you know, increased material costs, um, and probably some uncertainty in the market. Um, and then, you know, if you've got affordable uh, housing, which is really a struggle, um, you know, housing prices are going up. Um, the good thing is wages are going up too, which I think is helping yeah. offset some of that. Um, but yeah, the builders need to get out there, build some more homes. Um, rates are down, you know, which is yes. good. Uh, I think yes. that's going to help move some inventory out there and then create some more um, excitement in the market. Uh, you know, I think refinances are still going to be relatively flat. Uh, mm -hmm. I think most people that have refinanced probably have it already at this point. Um, 
uh, you know, that we're seeing a little bit of uptick uh, as rates came down again. I think mm. some of those people that were looking at doing some home improvements and, and may have gone towards the, the HELOC market, um, you know, are, are, are now maybe refinancing their first, doing some cash outs to do some of those home improvements instead of moving uh, and yeah. buying other homes just because of the, the increase in prices and the, and the shortage of inventory out there. And it's true, you know, mortgage rates have been a surprise economically to the upside. Uh, we're not looking at an environment where there's a whole lot of economists are predicting that the, that the Fed's going to raise interest rates. So I think, you know, but it's not exactly smooth sailing when you begin to really dig deeper into it. And when we look at the reader trends on housing wire, you know, there are two big stories that, uh, that probably hit really, really close, closely home to, 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 to what you're doing. Like you mentioned, none mm. of these issues are exclusive to any one person out there trying to claw some of that refi and purchase market share going into uh, what could be a challenging year for some lenders. But we have yeah. two things. We have, we have uh, just loads of millennials, right, who, <laughs> who mm-hmm. are, are just trying to just now get into the market. They're, yeah, they, they actually expect, have the largest yeah. percentage of, uh, of buyers yeah, uh, here last year. More millennials than any other generation are buying homes think, now. I've seen estimates as high as 78 million potential home buyers out mm. there. Uh, are we going to end up leaving the money on the table? What can we do to get these uh, millennials in? But it's not just that mm. norm. We're also learning that Gen Xers are having problems because they continue to have student loan debt that's dragging on their credit scores. So on one hand, you have this millennial ideal that mortgages and mortgage lending needs to be a frictionless, right? Buzzword, buzzword. It needs to be a, it needs to be a frictionless experience. And then you have Gen Xers who, who are, who who are still struggling with their credit scores. Uh, Millennial credit scores aren't that much better to be honest. Sure. And then, you know, DTIs are, are creeping up. You mentioned wage growth, but that also, yeah. you know, the home prices continue to go up as well. So that just means that DTIs are pushing up. Can you, can you make sense of yeah. like what, what a lender needs to do to stay current mm-hmm. on the digital mortgage side? And, you know, yeah. what, what are some of those credit score trends? That's a hugely open-ended question that I hit you with. There. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, thanks. Appreciate yeah, that. Go for it. <laughs> Now I'm going to take a uh, so really, yeah, so kind of two big topics there uh, to talk about, and we could probably spend a half an hour on each one. Um, you know, first one, I think, you know, the, the mortgage industry in general is ripe for change. Um, and, and it, you know, it really needs to leverage the technology that's out there. I think it's been slow to change compared to some of the other uh, financial um, products out there, you know, you, you're seeing, uh, you know, like in the student loan uh, markets, uh, you know, it's the fastest growing segment of debt right now. Uh, and there's, there's fintechs out there that are attacking that. Uh, and I think you're finally starting to see some of that in the mortgage industry with digital mortgages. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we are rolling out a, a, a hybrid uh, closing process right now. Uh, it's a very phased approach. Um, that starts with our members, uh, you know, coming in and signing digitally uh, on on tablets. Uh, however, we are quickly moving this year towards a uh, remote uh, signature, remote closing, remote notarization uh, process that allow our members to to close their mortgages, you know, sitting uh, on the beach, uh, you know, somewhere else, not having to come in and and do wet signatures. And the traditional, you know, title office closings. I think that the market's demanding that millennials are definitely demanding that uh, ease of process. 
the old uh, you know ways of, of closing loans and mortgages um, just don't exist anymore. You know, yeah. uh, I think those that don't change are going to get left behind. Um, and so we're you know we're at, we're looking internally at uh, you know who who do we partner with? What do we need to do internally to make this happen? Um, because it's it's not a matter of if it's it's when um, and and it's here. You know, uh, the, the technology is already available. Um, I think now it's a matter of adoption, um, mm -hmm. you know, both by some, uh, some government agencies, Fannie Freddie, as well as investors. You know, Federal Home Loan Bank is working on accepting uh, electronic signatures. And so, um, you know, we're, we're definitely doubling down um, on that process uh, and expect this year to be able to, you know, offer that, that full uh, digital closing to our members. Uh, yeah, we've really got to focus on that member experience. And I think that that's key. And we'll get to credit scores in a, in a second, but you're absolutely mm -hmm. right on the investor side. Uh, a lot of people think that the technology for wet signing and, and uh, e-notaries, et cetera, that the holdup there was the on the lending side with the, with, the, with the tech sector where a lot of lenders initially thought, well, this is something we can handle ourselves. And they now realized... Yeah that leave the technology to the scalable tech fintechs, right? And partnerships right. are the way to go because, you know, let them worry about, you know, the, the, the changing mm -hmm. phase of fintech. I just want, I close yep. loans. That's my specialty. I, I put people in homes. Um, so mm -hmm. I definitely agree that the, the strategy of outsourcing is, is, uh, is, is vital compared yep. to what we've seen what some of these major, like the huge lenders, when they've tried to build it out themselves and the, mm -hmm. and the problems they, they, they focus. But you mentioned actually a very, very, very astute point. And that is the hold up to the whole wet signature thing wasn't on that lending side. It wasn't on that tech side. It was actually on the investor yeah. side. Right. Uh, and this is off the record, but I, but I know, you know, I know people, I know people at Fannie and Freddie who have said that investors were never comfortable with, uh, with, without, uh, you know, someone being involved in the title process that right. there, there was some human being in there and, you know, humans will still obviously be related to the transaction. But I do think that once we get past those, uh, secondary market hiccups, mm -hmm. it'll begin to release a little bit more of the liquidity into the market and get lending going again. But uh, that said, none of it's going to matter if we can't get credit scores up. And uh, right. I, need, I, I need to know what you're seeing in terms of, of credit scores without violating any, you know, <laughs> federal regulations, if you could speak right. generally about trends, sure. because a huge story a huge story in housing wire was the headline was poor credit scores keep Gen Xers from entering the housing market. Um, so here's something we can't blame on millennials, and that is our own credit nope. score. So tell me a little bit about what you think. Sure. Yeah, you know, um, we are seeing that trend, uh, but I also think that uh, lenders are adjusting to that. Uh, you know, we need to get people into homes and we need to find structures uh, in, in our products that enable that uh, to happen. And, and it's really making us take a, a hard look at your traditional underwriting guidelines. You know, you had mentioned things such as DTI going up and, and, uh, and we are, we're seeing the same thing. Um, it doesn't mean that, uh, you know, we're taking on additional risk, but I think it's, it's looking at more than just your traditional credit score on itself to make a decision. 
uh, one of the things I think that the credit union industry is really strong at is, is looking at total relationship and looking at, you know, uh, more of the, uh, you know, the borrower as a, uh, as a long-term, you know, investor in our, in our organization and, and being, you know, when you're a member of a credit union, you're an owner of it. Uh, and so what we find is uh, members that have mortgages with us, uh, their credit scores uh, continue to actually go up uh, as they have the, the mortgage with us. We've had more members' credit scores increase once they get a mortgage uh, than if they don't. And uh, so what, what it's forcing us to do is, is really look at the full picture of a, of a potential uh, member's uh, financial situation and, uh, and maybe not uh, look at the traditional score on its own uh, and DTI and find opportunities to, to create new products, uh, such as you know, we've just come out with a 10-5 mortgage, uh, which is not okay. something we've offered before. Um, we're seeing you know, utilization of the ARM products, how to try to help get that, that payment down uh, mm -hmm. to a point uh, where, uh, where people can, can make it affordable, being you've got you know, the cost of the houses going up, and, and we don't see that, uh, that changing at all. Um, we still need to get um, we still need to get these people into homes, uh, yes. and, and you know it's not that uh, they're they're greater credit risks. Um, it's just their their credit profile looks different. You know, right. more more people now have student loans that are buying homes than in the past. Uh, that's a reality. Yes. Um, you know, I, I think it's a problem we need to solve. Uh, debt is is definitely at a you know at an all time high, but um, but we're not seeing the default rates. We're not seeing the delinquency. You know, mm -hmm. even though. Um, you know, we, we are taking on a little bit of a, you know, of a different cro uh, credit profile uh, member. You know, our, our delinquency is down. Uh, credit losses are down in the mortgage industry. So, um, you know, I think the outlook is still good. Um, yeah, and it's, it's, it's true. The analysis that we've seen is that the percentage of homeowners uh, who owe on student loans is very, very similar to the percentage of renters who own and their student loan debt right. burden uh, appears to be, you know, uh, as the data tells us, the, the student loan debt burden appears to be plateaued among both right. of the groups, homeowners and renters. Therefore, you would assume that renters can become homeowners and handle mm -hmm. the, the debt right. because uh, because half of them are. Um, is there, and, and, you you come from an interesting perspective where you you have a where you have a credit union, uh, which is a different kind of lending model. So, is there any um, convincing millennials need to join the credit union model? How do you convince someone like, look, hey, you're a renter and you have a high student debt burden. Why not be a homeowner and have a high student debt burden? How do you how do you, how do you kind of have that have that conversation and get feet in the door, even virtually? Yeah, it, it's a challenge. You know, I think it's a challenge for the industry as a whole. I think when you look at the credit union industry, um, you know, it's really built off of that community engagement uh, and, and relationship. Um, you know, being a, a not-for-profit organization, I think that a lot of millennials can relate and, and want to do business with companies like that. And when you come in and you, and you talk to a credit union, you know, it's not just to get your car loan or get your mortgage. Um, it's really about, you know, how can we help your, your financial journey, you know, that mm -hmm. you have in life. Uh, and it's, you know, you're going to be at different points uh, in that journey in your life and you want a trusted partner uh, that can help guide you through that. And so we really try to set ourselves up as that trusted source. 
um, that's going to help you whether you're you know that first time home buyer um, or all the way through setting up for retirement um, you know and or estate planning and so forth uh, and so that's that's the first part is that trust it's building the trust in the community and, and, and with your your members and customers out there if you don't have that you have no hope of getting to business at all uh, so you're, and so yeah so your, your your approach is as you're looking at the uh, borrower for for a lifetime you're looking at yeah. their entire life cycle and your and it sounds like you're beginning that you're offering products to reflect that I, ideology mm-hmm. correct yeah it's it's a you know we invest heavily into uh counseling uh okay. and it really starts with we hold a lot of home buyer and home seller seminars and it surprises me and amazes me still at this point uh you know we typically get uh you know 80 90 people enrolling every time we hold one of these and we do you know on average more than one a month and you would think by now we've saturated the market but we've mm-hmm. been doing this for years and and to this day we continue uh, to get extremely high enrollment, and, and what it tells me is you've got you know a huge market out there, people that still want to know and learn about homeownership, and and even though we're moving down this digital process, um, I will tell you what we have found is that although um, borrowers are demanding a a digital um, you know option, they still want a human interaction at some point throughout the process. Uh, so we see a lot of, you know, research being done online, uh, but then when they're ready, uh, you know, to make that big step, they still want that face-to-face. They want that human interaction of knowing who they're dealing with. You know, it's that trusted source. They want to be able to ask the questions, then go back into a digital process when they actually do the application, you know, and so forth. Um, and so it's really, uh, it's not a digital only, but it's a digital with still that human inter- intervention uh, available, you know, to borrowers throughout the process when they want it, uh, and then back into digital again to make it seamless so they can, uh, you know, work uh, off hours or at home or, you know, from their mobile devices. And I agree, you know, it's just, it's just also just nice to have that human touch, that human element, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a level of customer service. And I think that anecdotally, you'll hear that if you do have, uh, a, if a person's treated well during a process and let's, let, let's face yeah. it, home, home buying is not the most consumer friendly process. Um, <laughs> it, it can be a bit of a, it can be a bit of a, of a job getting a loan across the line, right. For everyone. Sure. involved. So um, having someone, you know, who's just nice to you and helps you out and doesn't, you know, treat you terribly is really enhances your ability to keep them in, in the business and keep them a member, I think. So, I, you know, I, yep. I love that approach and I think it's great. People should be treated well when they're buying a home um, and they're starting yep. a community. So, uh, refis, on the other hand, you can just push those through. Right. <laughs> you can just, they, they want the service, get it done, yep. you know. <laughs> keep it easy, but, uh, simple, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, that's, uh, you know, that's, and that's just the way I think, I think it's going And the, and the more that we can kind of partner with the right sort of vendors who also believe in that idea, because one of the issues that I think they're finally getting wise to out in Silicon Valley is that brand alone isn't enough to get the loyalty yeah. of someone for something as important as a, as a, as a, as a home loan, you know, wings mm-hmm. needs they need the tech. They need the partners to do the tech. They need to close in their own name. You know, you mm-hmm. kind of have to be, it's, and it's, and Silicon Valley is just now figuring out that they, that in partnerships, they not, they may not be the main brand going forward. And I think right. that has a, that's had a learning curve. Um, but 
having seminars that are that well attended month in and month out, I think mm-hmm. does more to underpin uh, the, the need for the work that you're doing out there at wings. And, you know, hopefully through that and through podcasts such as this, uh, we can begin to erode that number down and also, uh, you know, get people educated onto the importance of home ownership. And that's key. It's the education. Uh, you know, the seminars we do are, are not, uh, we don't limit them to, you know, just our members. We offer them to the community, uh, anyone out there, because we need to educate. Um, you know, it's unfortunate our schools are overburdened. Um, you know, they're not, they're not teaching this in our schools. Uh, and so it, it's on us to help educate the public. And, and to your point, it's, it's these podcasts, it's seminars, it's websites, it's, you know, whatever we can do to get the word out on the street to help educate uh, you know, our borrowers, I think it helps them not only understand the process, um, but, you know, talking about the credit scores, it's, it's helping them even just understand what goes into impacting their credit scores. And that's one of the things, you know, that we cover also in our seminars is, you know, you, you need to be aware of your credit score and the things that um, affect it as you're going into looking at this, you know, probably the biggest purchase you're going to make, you know, in your life. Yeah. Um, what can you do to prep yourself and your credit score to best position you for that best rate to get you the best house, the lowest possible payment, you know, out there. Um, and, and it's on all of us to, to make that happen. And what's the, what's, you know, what's one thing that people seem really surprised at? Is it their credit score? Most of all that they can actually, there are a bunch of little things they can do to, to big it up or, or, you yeah. know, I always, always wonder what is the biggest challenge that you get <laughs> when, uh, when you're seeing 80 to 90 people in seminars monthly? Yeah. You know, I would say related to credit scores, um, you know, most people assume that it's if you just pay your, you know, your bills on time, that you're going to have the highest possible score out there. When we walk them through all the factors uh, that attribute to it, you know, one of the biggest surprises they have is is your age of, um, you know, the uh, your oldest uh, debt that you have out there. And so a lot of people think, well, geez, you know, my first credit card was a uh, maybe a retailer's credit card for, you know, a small dollar amount. And I'm just going to close that out because I don't use it anymore. But if that's your oldest credit card, you may want to hang on to it because it shows, you know, um, the depth of your of your borrowing history and ability to repay debt, which was one of the factors that impacts your score. Uh, and so it really helps, I, I think, as, mm-hmm. as people sit down and can understand that. Um, and, and, you know, with our mobile app and, and online, we, we show our members, you know, their credit scores as they change and update them and provide them online access and educational tools also. Yeah. On, and uh, what impacts those scores. And I think that's the kind of thing that would help reduce the, the general fear that people have towards checking yeah. their credit score. You know, people right. like, oh, if, if I, I don't want to know what it is, I don't know what it is, you know. <laughs> kind of head the sands. <laughs> right. So there's a reason why this student loan debt is outstanding, right? <laughs> Absolutely, right. So, but uh, yeah, I, I agree. It's a lot more, your, your profile is getting more and more robust and it's a lot more of whether or not you pay your bills on time. It's going to start to incorporate peer behaviors. It's going to start to incorporate utility bills bill payments and et cetera. So uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's going to be an exciting time for uh, mortgage lending and tech. And I, it sounds like Wings is in a great place to, uh, to, to uh, do, do really well and weather any economic downturn that's coming. Um, although yep. more and more, we're, we're just not seeing it right around the corner as we originally feared. So right. that's great. Yeah, yeah. Good news is the, the outlook is positive. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think everybody's feeling good generally. Uh, speaking, you know, I think there's still some uncertainty out there, but you know, there typically always is. It's just a matter of to what degree 
Um, but I would say the general consensus is that uh, we're going to have a, a good 2019. And, uh, you know, with 2020 being an election year, don't know that we'll see a lot of change there. But uh, fingers crossed. Great. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen. I'm joined by Norm, who's the Chief Lending Officer for WINGS. Uh, you've been listening to the Housing Wire News podcast, where we cover the week's news and events. Norm, thank you so much for coming on and helping us make sense of all these headlines. Great. Thanks for having me.